To the Northland we go. Our Democrat of the day is looking, could be, it might be the biggest house district in the state. This thing is huge. It runs from Angle Inlet all the way down to Bemidji. It is huge. Reed Olson is kind enough to join us. He is the DFLer running to represent Minnesota 2A as Democrat of the day today. Hi, Reed. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I got a report from a guy up in Grand Rapids last hour that it's about 40 degrees area. Is it much warmer for you where you're at? It is not much warmer. Last night, I think we, we topped out at about 71, 72 degrees, and I think today's high is about 41, 42. Ugh, it, Quite a change. We knew it was coming. <laughs> it's it's going to get frosty up there tonight, I, I hear. It's, yes, it's, yep, yep, it's going to be a chilly one here for the Ugh. next couple of nights. I'll bundle up when you do the door knocking yep. here. Uh, yep. Why don't we take a few minutes here, first of all, and allow you to introduce yourself. Who exactly is Reed Olson? Super. Yeah, I'm Reed Olson. I am I am a Beltrami County Commissioner. Um, and you talked about the size of the district. I think Rob Eklund's district. That's okay. I think it's three A. That might be that runs east west from I Falls to the to the Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. So that might be geographically a larger uh, uh, district, but mine is pretty good. So I'm in my second term as a Beltrami County Commissioner. I um, I'm a, a small business owner. I own uh, the Wild Hair Bistro, which is a, a restaurant uh, downtown Bemidji. And um, I, I stepped away from dishwashing about three years ago to uh, to be the executive director of the Nameless Coalition for the Homeless. It's an organization that I'm a founding board member of. And uh, in 2015, we bought a little church and converted it into a homeless shelter. And then just uh, in December of 21, we acquired another building and opened up a day shelter. So we've got 24-hour a day and 365 day a year service for unhoused people in the Bemidji area. Um, so I've been in public office since 2013 when I got elected to the Bemidji City Council, and I've just been enjoying that role as a community, as a local, you know, nonpartisan elected. And now I'm jumping ship and trying to trying to do the the, the partisan racket um, and having a lot of fun here campaigning. Uh, I will say this: I worked a long time ago up at KKBJ up in town there. And um, homelessness, it is, I mean, I I came from the cities and I'm like, it's hard enough to imagine people being homeless in Minneapolis, St. Paul. There is, there is an amazingly large homelessness issue up north and bless you, just absolutely bless you for addressing that issue and being on the forefront of trying to deal with that. Because obviously, especially when you get up there with those cold temperatures, it's, you know, we're talking life or death uh, when it, when you're homeless. And so to be able to help the people, the most needy people, I mean, that is just absolutely wonderful. And congratulations and uh, yeah. wonderful that you've been doing that. Well, thank you. It's a very rewarding job. I really enjoy doing it. I have a, a great staff um, that also really, they really enjoy what they do. And we just try to give people as dignified a setting as we can, a safe and dignified setting while they try to navigate what can be a pretty difficult path to uh, back into housing again. And, you know, a lot of people that we serve, I see more and more uh, evidence of just the breakdown of the mental health care system in our, in our country, specifically in our, in our region. Uh, we're, we're starting to build back some of the, some of that capacity, some of that mental health infrastructure, but too many people that we serve, but for their untreated mental illness would be in housing, you know, um, mm-hmm. but they're just struggling. And so they find themselves at our doors and we try to, connect them with the services that they need to get to get uh, uh, back into a more more secure stable setting bless you on that that wonderful work can you can I ask you with the redistricting how did 2a how did the district change it changed radically well I should say district uh, the, the original 2a um, lost 
uh, 51% of its population. So it used to run from just north of Park Rapids all the way up. So that's Hubbard County. So the top half of Hubbard, Hubbard County, approximately all the way up through all of Clearwater County, I think a little bit of Roseau County and then all of Lake of the Woods. And now it lost any of Roseau, it lost Hubbard, it lost the bottom two thirds of Clearwater County. That's where Bagley, Minnesota is. So the top third has uh, Clear, Clearbrook, Minnesota and Gonvick. Um, so, um, so it's got those two cities and then three townships up in the northern part of, of Clearwater County. The lion's share of, of, uh, of Beltrami County, excluding the, the southeastern corner all the way up to like Black Duck and Kellier. Um, so, so we have, yeah, like you said, we go from, from Bemidji all the way up to the Angle, um, all of Lake of the Woods, all of Red Lake Nation, um, Northern Clearwater County, and then the bulk of Beltrami County. So, so Bemidji is basically, um, uh, Mr. Um, uh, Grossel, uh, my opponent, the incumbent, he lost his real, the real red meat or whatever, his real base. He lost, um, Bagley, Shevlin, Northern Hubbard County, and he picked up Bemidji, which is a, a blue city. Yes. And then the townships around Bemidji, which are more kind of pink. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, as a county commissioner, I represent one township um, next to Bemidji. Otherwise, I, I represent three city wards. And that township, I have gotten about 49% of the vote each each year that I ran for, for county. So um, hopefully that will stay. It'll be interesting once there's a DFL next to my name um, and not nonpartisan. We'll see if I can I'm hoping that I can hang on to at least 45%, 45-50% of that district, so or of that township. So, so Grossel really, um, he lost a, a wonderful district that he could. I mean, we can see that you know three years ago um, he got arrested, beat up a security guard, got in a fight with cops, got in that's fight with right, nurses, that's right, um, and he still won his next cycle with 63% of the vote. You know, um, so that's how solid. You know, it's kind of red no matter who or whatever uh, but now that's not the case so now he has to introduce himself to to Bemidji where he isn't real popular um, and I have much more name recognition because I've been in office I've owned a, a business for 17 years um, been in office for 10 years so people are used to seeing me used to seeing my name um, they know me they know that I'm uh, you know with the work that I do on housing and homelessness they know me as someone that cares about his community um, and they know Grossel, if anything, is kind of being a culture warrior bully. So I think I stand a really good chance to, you know, this is, I think it's technically considered an R plus three. And I hope that the Republicans really lean into that, into that, like, oh, we're fine. It's, it's the advantages to us. But I think the, the amount of work that we've been doing, I have a great campaign, a bunch of wonderful volunteers. Um, we've been door knocking every day in the district. Uh, we've been getting up to the debt. We've been getting up to... Uh, uh, Williams. I was just up there last Saturday for the potato uh, potato day parade, and um, so we're getting out to places that politicians don't normally go to, you know. And we're getting seen, and we're talking to people, and we're running on just kind of um, you know important issues for our area, which is housing, childcare, mental health care, and it's really resonating with people because it's it's what they see 
that they need in their community. You know, so if you talk, I'm super excited. If you talk about strong democratic areas up there, let's bring in the Red Lake uh, Reservation as well. Oh, yes, in uh, Red the, Lake. I'm sorry, I should yes, absolutely. The, the so, Native American yeah. vote has been, you know, it's it's been so important for the DFL. It's something I think the DFL needs to yeah. know more now. Now yeah. in that invade. but you know, you, it does create another bit of jeopardy for your Republican opponent because not only do you have a, and I lived in Bemidji. Bemidji is blue, mm. and it is yeah. not. It's not shying away from being blue either. It's a blue district, and then of course the the the, the the reservation there that has also been a traditionally blue area it doesn't lead a lot of areas for him to pick up votes uh so much because i think I, I think this is actually a prime seat for the dfl to pick up in the northland i, I think it is i think it's considered the most con- con, uh, competitive seat in the in the dis- in the state right now as far as the numbers being so close um and uh, and you're absolutely right and and uh we take red lake and the other tribes um granted at our own peril you know it's it's something that i've been doing uh is having trying to over the years i've had a really strong partnership my organization has with uh different areas uh, different organizations in red lake we work really closely with the red lake shelter program um human services um you know things like that and so i've been doing a lot of work in the community so people in red lake they know me they know that i'm not just a carpet beggar that's coming around you know once every two years to smile and wave, but that I have, I have been working in the community trying to help improve people's lives. And so we're really hoping, you know, if we get a good turnout, just as you were saying uh, at the top of the hour here, if we get a really good turnout in Bemidji and a really good turnout in Red Lake, my opponent's path to success starts really shrinking. You know, um, if we can get a huge turnout in Red Lake um, and I can flip a few people up north in Lake of the Woods to, to come over and vote for me, um, it's going to be real hard for Grossel to, to, to stay in office. I know a lot of DFLers in, in Baudette. I know a lot of DFLers in Baudette. So, I mean, it's, yeah, a, it's not yeah. exactly I, – I, I'm feeling good about this. I, let's get into one or two of the issues here that are there. I, I love the fact that you you, you you highlight on your webpage you're fighting for small business. Your experience, obviously – not only your experience running a small business, but then – on your charitable work as well. I mean, it really does give you a, I think, a more rounded perception of, you know, benefiting the community from the small business side. Yeah, well, and I, you know, I have, we've been in business long enough that we have, we have been able to experience the the positive aspects of, of public policy and some of the more negative aspects, you know, in Bemidji, we really rely on tourism. And so when when we have, you know, we, I, I, was it 2011 or 2012, we had a government shutdown and it, the, the state fiscal year goes from the 1st of July to the, to the last day of June. So July one government shuts down. What's our most important, you know, our busiest weekend up here is the 4th of July weekend. And now all of a sudden people can't buy fishing licenses. The state parks aren't open. Other state services aren't open. And so that was really difficult for, for any small business in a tourist town in Minnesota. But then we've seen the opposite where, you know, just recently as, um, as COVID hit in 2020 and businesses were forced to shut down, um, something that I'm really proud of as a county commissioner, we took money that we got from the state, money that we got from the feds, and basically gave it out through our economic development agency, Greater Bemidji, um, gave it out to small businesses. And we made sure that, that there was one business that failed in our community during um during the COVID shutdown. And that was a business that was a little bit shaky and probably was going that way anyway. So um, government has a huge role to play, whether we want it to or not, 
in the success or the failure of small business. And so having that, having been on both the policy end of it and as the, as person trying to balance the, you know, cash flow of the business and make payroll, you know, I've, I've seen um, how government can help and how it can hinder, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, housing issue. Let's let's bring this up because this is obviously something I, I I think we've talked a little bit about at this election cycle, but not much. I mean, we do have a housing crunch everywhere in the state, but especially in rural Minnesota, where you just don't get contractors who are out there saying, you know, I I, I can't make the premium dollar that they can in a suburban build in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So it's it's hard to kind of get development made and houses building. You know, I, I was reading the New York Times article. It's like God God forbid anyone tries to build a single family home nowadays. No one's doing that. Talk right. about the challenge of housing, because throughout that entire district, there's a housing crisis going on in every district in rural Minnesota as well. Right. Yeah. And again, I'll talk about when I was up in Bedette and Williams, that's what they what people talk about. You know, it's difficult for Marvin Windows and Polaris to uh, recruit employees because there's no workforce housing up there. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's plenty of jobs, but nowhere to live. And you, you nailed it on the head. Um, developers are going to go where they have the better ROI. You know, if they can get a $70,000 profit per unit in the cities or in Fargo, and they get a $25,000 or a $15,000 profit per unit in in Lake of the Woods or or Beltrami County, where are they going to go? You know, so how do we incent people to build in rural, in rural areas is kind of the, the, the key, but it's, it's an economic development issue. We're, we're not able to grow, you know, businesses aren't relocating and businesses that exist here aren't expanding because they know that they don't have the, the workforce housing, you know, um, I hear it everywhere that I go. Um, and, and we don't just need like supportive housing and workforce housing or lower income housing. We need, we need housing all the way up the, the income chain. You know, I, I know anecdotally about professors that didn't end up coming to Bemidji State University because they couldn't find housing mm-hmm. or doctors were having a hard time getting psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists into Bemidji, um, which we desperately need, but there's no housing. And then furthermore, they look at um, daycare options. There's no daycare, you know? Um, so I'll bleed into that if you don't mind um, a means. little bit. Um, the county just did a needs assessment, Beltrami County. We need in the Bemidji area, which is, you take the townships and the city together, there's a little over 30,000 people that live within 10 miles of Bemidji. Um, we need about 1,000 daycare spots for kiddos. Um, that's, so there's like basically no daycare. You know, I know door knocking. I met a woman uh, who lives in Bemidji, works in Bemidji. She has to drive down to Beside, which is about 20 miles away, to drop her kids off at daycare. I know other people that drive north to Black Duck to drop their kids off about 20 miles away. Uh, I know someone that drives to Park Rapids. 35 miles away, you know, so they live in town, they work in town, but they have to spend, you know, an hour to an hour and a half each way, each day commuting to daycare, you know, and that's just not sustainable. Mm. Um, so we need to invest in housing. We need to invest in childcare just as a, as a, um, as an economic development issue, you know, um, desperately up here, you know, and we've, the, the, the good news is that we have identified these problems and now it's just a matter of solving, them. you know, it's, mm. It's it's more difficult when people say that there's no problem when there is. At least now we are we are admitting and we see the the problems. And now it's just a matter of uh, of getting 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 them solved. You know. Yeah. The one of the things I want to last last thing I want to ask you here is this: this is the big issue here, the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We have seen in even the reddest of areas, Kansas and 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 mm-hmm. in Nebraska, that 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 ruling has changed things. 
Um, when you're out door knocking, when you're out talking to the public, what has been your experience? Has it been anything or are you getting a lot of people like, yep, I don't like my rights being taken away? Yeah, you know, I, I'm surprised at how little that comes up, um, the, um, the Dodds decision. Um, I, I, I don't hear it a lot. When I, when I ask people what their main concerns are, their concerns are quality education for their kids, affordable housing, daycare, real bread and butter. I know that if, if we ask, if I ask someone, you know, what do you think about, the, about, about Roe v. Wade? What do you think about inflation or whatever? Then they say, oh, yeah, yeah, that is really concerning. Um, and I, I don't think it's maybe talked about as ice. I hesitate to say that, but I don't hear it a whole lot, though I know it is on people's minds, and I know it is going to going to affect the election, even even in the North Country, you know. So um, I think it is uh, a real long term tactical error by the GOP to really push this, and then and then you know they people have been saying, well, we need to leave it up to states' rights, you know, states should make these decisions, um, but you hear what our opponents are saying. I mean, they want these draconian. Um, zero access to abortion, regardless, you know. Um, and you hear now of, of other states, not Minnesota, but other states where women's and girls' health care is really being put at risk because pharmacists or doctors are afraid to um, prescribe appropriate care because they don't want to wind up in jail or they don't want to get sued or whatever, you know. So it's a huge, huge problem um, socially, but I think politically it advantages us. I, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's unfortunate that that's what it takes for an advantage because it's, it's a, it's just a really horrible I think thing. It's really a reckless, yeah. reckless ruling. And, and, um, and what the, what the Republicans are looking at doing is really quite scary. Well, there's one candidate in this race that's going to protect people's rights, and that's Reed Olson. That's just that simple. And you that can, is what I do. Yeah, and <laughs> he's there to protect your rights. And it's not just this right. It's the other rights the Republicans are key, teeing off on, getting ready to try to take away from people. Uh, Reed, yeah. uh, obviously you are in a huge district. I want to implore everyone here. At the very least, it takes a lot of gas miles to get around up there. Uh, make yeah. a donation to Reed's campaign. Also, I imagine if you, people come up, they, they, you can find some door knocking for them to do. But do you have volunteer uh, opportunities for people that they can do remotely from the cities? Uh, we can do phone banking and things like that. So absolutely, if someone wants to help us out. We haven't, we haven't put together a, a postcard writing campaign because that's something that some campaigns often do. But definitely phone banking or, or, yeah, why not make a trip, come on up here and hurry up and you can still catch some of the, of the fall colors <laughs> for a limited time. Um, but, yeah, we definitely have door knocking opportunities and other volunteer opportunities. You can go to my website that's uh, com. And uh, you can find uh, uh, there's a survey on there that you can fill out and and find a way, a way to help out the campaign. And, yeah, um, campaigns take money. So if you can find yourself, if you haven't made a donation yet, you can always do the, the $50 PCR, the political contribution rebate. So give me 50 bucks. You'll get it back in about six weeks. Um, VoteReadOlson.com, VoteReadOlson.com. Donate, volunteer. There's a lot of opportunities there. Get in touch with this campaign. Help them out because 2A is a very likely, this is a good chance the DFL can pick up the seat up in the Northland, and that would scare the living daylights out of the GOP. Yeah, well, and we pick up this seat, and that's going to go a long way to helping my colleague Alan Roy pick up the Senate seat. We pick up the Senate seat. We just might flip the Senate. And, and as you said again at the top of the show, we can actually legislate, you know, but we got to have full control of the government. Uh, we weren't able to legislate last year, last session, because the, the, the GOP had no interest in passing anything. And it, it hurt a lot of communities. So 
we got to take control so that we can get out there and really do some good for, for the good people in Minnesota. Reed Olson, 2A, Democrat of the Day. Vote com. Go help him out if you can. Reed, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, uh, I'd love to talk to you in January once I'm, uh, once I'm at the legislature about all the things we're going to do. When you're in St. Paul, you're more than welcome anytime to come on my show, by all means, okay? Super. Take Thank care. You, sir.